Welcome back to the XRP Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, the XRP Maximalist. If you'd like to join me or contribute to the podcast, you can find me on Twitter at XRP Podcast with two Ps. This is where you can connect with me directly with suggestions, ideas, or any form of constructive inquiry. This is an intro series for anybody new to XRP and Ripple. It will feature educational topics surrounding blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the internet of value. This is a sister episode to XRP 101, meant to be listened to prior or after listening to XRP 101. Without further ado, let's get into the interesting parts. First of all, before we begin speaking about anything, we must introduce the separation of XRP and Ripple. People are often confused because the cryptocurrency XRP is often called Ripple. However, Ripple is not XRP. Ripple is a private company that is a holder of XRP, but is not actually the definitive creator. XRP is a cryptocurrency and by extension a digital asset. All cryptocurrencies are digital assets, but there are other examples of digital assets available today, such as non-fungible tokens or NFTs and soon tokenized stocks and bonds. The people at Ripple have truly developed something exceptional, and the proof is within the pudding. The origin story of Ripple began in 2011, when three wise men, David Schwartz, Jed McCaleb, and Arthur Brito, were introduced to Bitcoin, but had seen through the waste produced through mining for Bitcoin through proof-of-work. An assessment that proved to be ahead of their time, considering that in 2019, estimates that Bitcoin mining consumed more energy than the entire country of Portugal. Aspiring to seek perfection even in untraveled roads, David Schwartz and co. worked to improve upon the weaknesses of Bitcoin. Producing the XRP ledger in 2012, and once live after June of 2012, 80% of the XRP was gifted to a new company they had co-created, initially called NewCoin and then with haste renamed to OpenCoin where Chris Larson was the CEO, who was later replaced by Brad Garlinghouse in 2016. Jed McCaleb is the co-founder and CTO, Chief Technology Officer, and David Schwartz was the Chief Cryptography Officer, with Arthur Brito working as an advisor. The desire that brought to life OpenCoin was the dream to revolutionize the global financial system, to give people the ability to move money like information moves today by taking the path to work with existing financial systems as opposed to going to war with existing financial systems like so many of their contemporaries. OpenCoin, which became Ripple in 2013, actualized this dream through their products and services that leverage the XRP ledger. The primary product of Ripple is a service called RippleNet. RippleNet is a service for making global payments simple faster, and cheaper for financial institutions around the world. It's a service used by behemoth enterprises including Bank of America, Santander Group, American Express, Tranglo, along with so many more customers. RippleNet offers connections to hundreds of financial institutions around the world via a single API. And if you're not familiar with the term API, it's an acronym for Application Programming Interface which is a software intermediary that allows for two applications to talk to each other. 
Through Ripple's API, RippleNet makes moving money faster, cheaper, and more reliable for financial institutions and their customers. It also gives banks the ability to eliminate the need to pre-fund accounts with on-demand liquidity, or ODL, a service that uses the digital asset XRP to source liquidity during cross-border transactions as an alternative to traditional financial systems. If you don't know what I mean by liquidity, I'm referring to a term in economics and investments, referring to how easily and quickly an individual or business entity can buy or sell an asset like a currency or a stock or a cryptocurrency without causing a drastic shift in the price or market value of the asset. Another term that may be foreign to you is pre-funded account. It's a term used in cross-border money transfer. Consider this. I live in country A and my wife lives in country B. I want to send money to her, so I would go through a bank or other kind of financial institution or money transfer business to do so. Now my bank in country A has two choices in how they can decide to get the money to my wife's bank in country B. They can either on the spot, after I made that transaction at my bank, move the money. My bank would then push the funds over to my wife's bank account in country B. This underlying process, however, can take a couple of days to complete and confirm. This can be very inconvenient, both for my bank because they will have a continuous accumulation of pending transactions over time, but also myself and my wife, as I know I'm sending her money she needs sooner rather than later. The second method is for my bank in country A to prefund an account in country B with a balance so that my money transfer to my wife in country B is cleared quickly and near instantly and she gets the money much faster. That's the way financial institutions around the world have been able to offer the money transfer and remittance services we delightfully use today. In order to keep this process smooth and efficient, the Origin Bank 1 or Bank A would recurringly top up their balance of funds in the destination country, Bank B. And though the top up would take a couple of days to process, there would already be enough capital to handle several times the average amount of transactions in the account of Bank A that they would typically expect where money transfers are withdrawn from. It is through this pre-funded capital that would allow for no interruptions in service and instantaneous money transfers all around the world. It is always the originating country that has a pre-funded account in the destination country, never the other way around. Through RippleNet, a staple service they offer for financial institutions is on-demand liquidity, also known as ODL. On-demand liquidity allows for financial institutions to free up or lower the capital that they leave in these pre-funded accounts in all the different countries in which they offer money transfer services to. This is by leveraging the digital asset XRP. XRP is used as a bridge between two currencies, such as the US dollar and the Japanese yen, or the pound and the Nigerian naira. This gives financial institutions like Finastra in the UK 
the ability to completely get rid of pre-funding accounts in countries they wish to send money to, or reducing how much capital that one would need to operate and simultaneously unlocking more capital that can be put to work. This is all because XRP is extremely liquid with the sixth highest market cap in the world for cryptocurrencies. The token has been trading on the open market for over 10 years. It's super cheap and very fast with three second transaction speeds, reliable enough for hundreds of institutions around the world to rely upon it today. Today in 2022, Ripple is embarking upon a meteoric rise and like many startups before them, each journey to new heights is fraught with obstacles. On December 22nd of 2020, the San Francisco-based firm was hit with a lawsuit by the United States Securities and Exchange Commission. The lawsuit accused Ripple and two of its top executives, Chris Larson, the previous CEO, and Brad Garlinghouse, the current Chief Executive Officer, or CEO, of conducting an unregistered securities offering of $1.3 billion worth of XRP between the years 2013 and 2020. Since 2020, the two entities, Ripple and the United States Securities and Exchange Commission, have been duking it out in court with no end in sight. And as of February 2022, proceedings have been moving in a potentially positive direction. The lawsuit is being presided over by U.S. District Judge Annalisa Torres of the Southern District of New York, who has recently ruled to unseal documents that show in 2012 Ripple received a legal analysis that XRP was not an investment contract. The information, if positive and strong, could lead to a positive end for the case, but just remember, nothing is over until it's truly over. Watch out for a future episode regarding Ripple's lawsuit with the United States SEC. The fintech startup Ripple has been making waves similar to many of its predecessors, like Tesla or Amazon. And by the way, you can purchase XRP, but you can also invest directly in shares of Ripple, provided you are an accredited investor in your country. Ripple has over 10 years of history and has investors such as SBI Group, Standard Chartered, Tetragon, and way more than I'm willing to list for one episode. But many of their clients can be found directly on their website at ripple.com. Throughout its 10-year history, Ripple has been no stranger to change. Jed McCaleb, the chief technology officer, departed from the company in 2014 to create the cryptocurrency Stellar Lumens and the Stellar Foundation with Joyce Kim. Jed was later replaced by David Schwartz, Ripple's founding chief cryptography officer. Currently, Ripple has been establishing itself as a company determined to pave the way for the next evolution of money. Ripple is involved in the development of central bank digital currencies all over the world. Through its strides in joining several groups, such as the Digital Pound Foundation in the UK, a non-for-profit focused on the development and implementation of a digital pound in the United Kingdom. Ripple also has a partnership since November of 2021 with the Republic of Palau, focusing on developing strategies for cross-border payments 
and a US dollar-backed digital currency. It doesn't stop there. Ripple even has partnerships in the European Union with organizations like Stasis. Founded in 2017, Stasis is a government-backed infrastructure project aimed at creating a digital euro that mirrors its fiat equivalent on a one-to-one -one basis. Ripple's efforts to aid countries in their transition to an innovative digital economy and society through the implementation of central bank digital currencies, along with other forms of digital money, will ensure countries like the UK, Palau, and even entire regions like Europe, Africa, and so many more will have a place in the emerging global digital landscape, which is becoming increasingly enabled by the XRP ledger. Remember, the XRP ledger is a decentralized public blockchain. Despite Ripple's capital in terms of XRP tokens, any changes and any decisions that would impact transaction processing or consensus on the network needs to be approved by at least 80% of the computers that maintain the network called nodes. These nodes are run by anybody in the world, and even you, the listener, can run your own. Ripple is a contributor to the XRP network, but its rights are the same as those of any other contributor. In terms of validating nodes, there are over 150 validators running on the network today, with Ripple running six of these nodes. I'm certain you'll definitely hear more about Ripple in the future. Even today, they continue to grow and bring decentralization and users to the XRP ledger every day. To learn more about Ripple, you can keep up to date with the XRP podcast, where you can hear more about the developments from the company and the community all around the globe that uses the XRP ledger. This has been an introductory episode detailing the rise of the financial technology startup Ripple and the company's relationship with the cryptocurrency XRP, as well as what Ripple is up to in 2022. This series will never feature ad rolls as it's purely for educational purposes. Don't forget to check out the sister episode to this XRP 101 available to listen to right now, where you can learn more about XRP, the underlying technology, and the reasons why it's favored by individuals and enterprises all over the world. As always, this is made with love for and by the XRP community. I am your host, Andrew, the XRP Maximalist. You can find me on Twitter at XRP Podcast with two Ps. Thank you and take care. Thank you.